I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 107 in which I get ready for me, apparently. And I'm recording this on Monday, October 29th, 2012. I'm recording it in the late afternoon because as most of us in the eastern part of this country are doing, I'm getting ready for Hurricane. Yes, it's named Sandy, even with a Y. Um, and I'm not entirely sure whether we'll lose power tonight, tomorrow, or whenever. Um, or whether we won't really have any effects at all. I live enough inland. I'm in western New York, which is, I, I always tell people I'm closer to Cleveland, Ohio, than I am to New York City. Um, and so although the predicted path of the storm passes right over my fair city, uh, I'm not really expecting to have nearly the effects that, you know, parts east of me will have, especially coastal folks. I've been following the path of the storm on Twitter. Um, there's various sites that you can follow that are uh, tweeting, you know, hurricane updates and p pictures and all that kind of stuff. And parts of the coast are already getting hammered. So my thoughts are very much with all of you who live east of me and hoping things are going well for you. Um, I do have to say it's a very weird feeling having a storm with my name. I used to always kind of wonder, you know, when the various hurricanes were named, I used to think, gee, I wonder what that would feel like if they ever named one, you know, with my name. And they have. And I'm really not sure I like it. Um, I have, of course, heard every joke uh, known, you know, that's possible to be made about this. Although I do say part of the reason that it's kind of weird is that it's really not a joking manner. There's been a lot of deaths uh, re attributed to this hurricane. And there's going to be a lot of damage and a lot of power outage and all sorts of stuff. So like I said, I'm just not really particularly sure. I like having a hurricane with my name, and so I am not referring to it by name. I am simply referring to it as the hurricane. Um, so anyway, those of you who are uh, suffering the effects of this, you know, be sure to post on Twitter or Facebook or whatever how you're doing if you have electricity. Um, that's kind of what we're all hoping for. My prayers are out to all of you. Now, you know, most of you who have, if, unless this is the very first episode of mine you're ever listening to, you know that I work full-time from home, and my offices um, are down in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, and we got notice last night that they were just going to close the offices, close the building for today and tomorrow, um, because they're really predicting a lot of power outages and people that's kind of declared a state of emergency, I believe, in in at least some parts of Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if right where they are it is, but they're keeping people off the roads, etc. Um, but, you know, that being said, I work from home. So really, whether or not the building's closed, I can still work, as do all the staff in my office. Actually, all most of us work from home, so it's just a matter of whether they still have power. So this morning, we were all working and emails were flying back and forth, but I haven't heard anybody from anybody in two, three hours, so I'm kind of wondering if um, they haven't now lost power altogether down there. Um, but that kind of means, I mean, I have stuff I can certainly do on my own, but I kind of got to the point where I couldn't do a whole lot much else without having input from some of the other staff 
or some of the things I needed to take care of today um, required input from people in New England or coastal areas. And I really kind of got to the point where I didn't want to keep sending out emails to people who may be without power or might be having to, you know, put plywood on their windows or whatever. So I'm just holding off for a couple of days. Um, I figure by Wednesday, Thursday, we'll know who's dealing with what, and then I can kind of pick up business from usual. I have moved some of my work files to my iPad so that if I do lose power tonight or tomorrow, I will still be able to work. I've got some editing and writing and that kind of thing I can be doing um, at least for a little while until my iPod or iPad power, you know, loses that as well. Um, it's not unusual for us to lose power where I live. It, you know, happens a couple times every winter, pretty much, you know, some frozen branch drips on a power line somewhere and we lose power. So we are actually quite prepared in our house for that eventuality, at least for a short period of time. We don't own a generator, never have, but it's never been that much of an issue here. Um, the longest we have been without power in these parts was back in the big ice storms of the early 90s. And um, we were without power in our part of the city for a little over a week, I think. But we were able to move in with my in-laws who lived in a different part of the city and their power, you know, they only lost it for a couple hours if they lost it at all. So that wasn't a big issue. Other than that, we tend to, because we lose power on a regular basis up here, I think they're more prepared to get it back up quickly. <laughs> so, you know, if we lose power, it might be for a day or two. It's hard to imagine it'll go much further than that for us where we are. Um, you know, famous last words, who's to say. I did do some prep this morning. Um, I had to get groceries anyway. Normally I would have gotten them over the weekend, but we just had stuff going on. So I wasn't able to get grocery shopping. So I did go out today. The only difference being I went out at lunchtime rather than waiting until after I was done at work because I didn't really know what the weather was going to be like by four or five o'clock this afternoon. Um, but I didn't really buy any special supplies or anything. You know, again, we're, we're doing okay. Uh, generally speaking, we're pretty well stocked for that kind of eventuality. And um, the only thing I did do was I took some of the ice out of our ice maker and put it into plastic bags and then put our ice maker back on onto accelerated mode so that, you know, it'll kick out some more ice cubes so that if we do lose power, I'll have enough ice I can throw in a cooler. So at least it'll kind of put us off a little bit longer before meat starts going bad. And I did have a roast beef that I went ahead and roasted this afternoon so we can use it in sandwiches. And then I moved some other meat in, from the fridge into the freezer so that hopefully it'll freeze before we lose power so that then it'll take longer to thaw. You know, a little bit, little things like that. Um, I don't, we don't have much outside our house because <laughs> we tend to, we always joke, we cannot put decorations on our front stoop because they would blow into the next county anyway. Our house is up on kind of a ridge and... All the other houses around us are a little bit lower, so we just get slammed. We've just got this kind of constant high wind where I live. So again, that's why, you know, yes, the hurricane gusts are predicted to be high for us, but honestly, nothing that we haven't dealt with almost every November. So again, that, that doesn't feel like a huge change for us. We get a lot of wind where I live, and so we don't tend to have a lot of stuff outside. I did, you know, stack up some patio chairs, and we brought our um, patio umbrella inside. That was about it. So we didn't have a lot of prep we had to do here. Um, the one thing, you know, quilterly speaking, I was thinking, okay, well, if I, if we do lose power and I'm not working, then I also can't be sewing because I don't have my sewing machine. So what could I be doing and still make progress on my quilt projects? So I did press some fabric this morning in preparation for cutting. 
for a project I'll be talking about during my Sandy update. So I, I was thinking ahead a little bit on that. And I do have a felted wool project kind of that's been ongoing for a few months. It's sort of my travel project. So I can grab that and do that by hand if I need to. Um, so, you know, we're good to go, I think. I did, I had to kind of laugh at myself that um, my personal sign of hope that we weren't actually going to have any real issues with the storm is that I did go on Amazon this afternoon and placed a book order. And because of my Prime membership, I've been a Prime member for years, um, I get that free two-day shipping. So I'm thinking, okay, here we go. Here's hoping we do actually get books on Wednesday, even though we've got the storm. Here's to UPS making it to my house anyway. Um so again, I'm much more worried about a lot of other people than I am about ourselves uh, dealing with this. I've talked to my daughter. Um, she's at a school that's about five hours north of us, and she said they're they're predicting high winds, but they're kind of out of the path. So they're not really expecting to have huge issues up there. And her um, her college is in a very, very rural area but the town that the college is in is the county seat. So if they do end up losing power up there, her town is likely to be the highest priority and therefore the school itself probably won't be without power that long. And of course they've got, you know, huge generators all over campus. So I'm not really worried about her. Um, I've not talked to my son yet. He's actually only an hour from us and West and therefore also right on the path of the hurricane. Um, so I do want to touch base with him after I'm done recording this and just make sure that he's prepared for whatever they need to be prepared for. Because um, he wouldn't necessarily think about things like, boy, is the meat in the refrigerator going to go bad if we lose power? <laughs> Stuff like that. So I'll be touching base with him as well. So other than my eponymous hurricane, um, Sandy update. I do actually have an update now. As you know, I have been on the road forever. I was supposed to have one more trip this week. Actually, I was supposed to be leaving tomorrow and coming home Wednesday night. Um, and that trip was going to be driving down to our buildings in Valley Forge for staff meetings. And late last week, my supervisor emailed and said she had been watching the weather. And that was just when they were starting to chart the course of where the hurricane was going to go. And she said, I don't want you driving south on the same path that the hurricane is moving north on the same day. So we postponed my trip for a week. And then, you know, as of Sunday morning, I was going in emails, you know, that we had been exchanging on Saturday, I was going to go down next week instead. And then on Sunday, she decided, why don't we just do this by conference call? Don't worry about coming down at all. So suddenly, I'm home. Yay. And I'm home until the end of January. And that feels like such luxury. Meanwhile, this week is feeling a little bit kind of like found time because I wasn't expecting to be home this week. So I've kind of got all these projects now stacked up in my head, both quilting wise and also home care wise, um, that I've been waiting until I could be done traveling to take care of. So now I'm sort of having to hold myself back from just tackling everything all at once because I've got this overload of nesting instinct kicking in. Um, yesterday, no, Saturday, I did spend a significant amount of time working on our bedroom closet. It actually didn't feel like it was all that bad. I just, you know, there were certain things I knew needed to kind of be reorganized. But once I got into it, you know, I just couldn't stop myself and kept going. And then my husband, who I'd asked him to come in at one point and just look, because his side of the closet was really fine. But there were a couple of, um, we have a lot of travel luggage, and we both get free tote bags all over the place. So we just had the stack of those in the side of the closet. So I'd called him in to ask him to kind of review a couple that he had to let me know what he wanted to keep. And he ended up going through his closet too. So we we're both working on the closet pretty much. I mean, it probably was a total of about 
three hours or so that it took us because we really sorted through everything. I ended up going through all these bins I hadn't really intended to go through because, again, it didn't they didn't look bad. But when I got into them, I realized, you know, there's a lot of stuff I could really get rid of. And so we put together a huge donation pile and then took the donation pile. Um, we decided to go out to lunch together, and then that gave us the excuse to actually get the donation pile immediately out of the house. Um, we have a tendency to throw stuff in bags and then it sits around until I can get it to a donation site. So it was nice to clear it out immediately. So the hall cl- or bedroom closet is beautiful now. Um, plus, part of what took so long is I also had not yet transferred my seasonal clothing because I'd been on the road so much. And it stayed warm for a long time. So, you know, my whole delay of uh, moving summer clothes into storage and getting my winter stuff out, it had, you know, been delayed quite a bit more than usual this year. Um, so I, I got all that done as well. And that, it feels good, you know, it just feels good to be able to walk into my closet, see the clothes I own and figure out what I'm going to wear quickly, <laughs> as opposed to what it had gotten the last few weeks. Again, mostly from being on the road so much, you know, stuff kind of just gets stacked and moved and stacked and moved. And I tend to only pack the same you know, three, four outfits, I'd go home, throw them in the laundry, run them through, put them back in the suitcase, leave again. <laughs> so I hadn't really sorted through all of my clothes in a long time. We knew it was good to get that done. Um, but then as I tweeted on Sunday, it was hard to stop. <laughs> Once I had that one closet clean, I was like ready to move on to the next one. I did have to do some cleaning in my sewing room since that's also my home office. T- stuff tends to stack up there too. Um, Okay, you may not have noticed that, but I did just get interrupted by a phone call, and it was my son. So I've now touched base with him, and of course, no, they don't have flashlights, they don't have anything in their apartment, but it's a major apartment complex, so I'm pretty sure they've got emergency generators, so at least they'll have emergency lighting at the stairwells, if if nowhere else. So he might go out and get himself some stuff, otherwise, you know, he's a 22-year-old guy, he thinks he can survive anything, so I'm not overly worried about that either. Okay, back to my Sandy update. Um, Just a couple of things non-quilty. The first is that, yes, I am working on getting my podcast onto Stitcher Radio. I'm just waiting to hear. I've submitted it, and it usually takes, you know, two, three days to have that approved. So hopefully by next episode, I will be able to announce that, yes, I am on Stitcher Radio for those of you who use Stitcher. I also want to say thank you. I did get a new iTunes review this last week from a fellow fast-talking Western New Yorker. Thank you so much. And it turns out she mentioned in a review that she started quilting the day she first heard my podcast, which is a very yippee sort of moment that warms my cockles. So thank you for sharing that. I also decided to go in and check the international um, iTunes. And I don't remember which podcaster it was. I think it might have been Darla of Scientific Quilter. This was a honking long time ago. It was probably 18 months ago that one of them, I think it was Darla. Sorry that I'm not remembering for sure if it was you or not, Darla. Um, but somebody had mentioned how to go in and look at other international versions of iTunes. It's a very simple process. And so once in a great while, maybe once a year, I'll think to go in and see, you know, gee, is my is my podcast actually being listed on these other sites? And, and are there reviews there? And it was kind of fun. There's a couple of reviews from Canada and one from Germany and several from the UK. So thank you, all of you international listeners. That's all I checked. I didn't want to take the time to go through a bunch of different countries. Should have checked Australia and New Zealand because I know I also have some listeners from there as well. 
Sorry about that. Um, But thank you very much, international listeners. Really appreciate that. Um, Again, all of us podcasters really enjoy reviews. So thank you so much for doing that. Okay, my quilty update. And I'm so thrilled to actually have one. This is very exciting. I did get my hands on fabric last weekend for the first time in a very, very long time. I finished my band book challenge project. If you recall, Tanisha of Crafty Garden Mom podcast and I are co-hosting a um, band book challenge giveaway this month. And if you do a project based on a book that appears on the band book list and post it to the Flickr group that Tanisha set up, then Tanisha and I will each draw a winner from that group. And there's a few entries up there. Really appreciate it. It is so cool to see what people are doing. I love seeing how people are inspired um, by various books and, and the comments that you leave as well. A lot of folks have blogged about their entries and then posted the pictures to Flickr and some folks are just posting to Flickr. So it's it's been a lot of fun to watch those happening. My project was a, really of necessity, very simple because I just did not have time, but I wanted to do something. And the book, whenever I think of banned books, the first book that always comes to mind for me is a book named Go Ask Alice. Um, it was... I actually had to kind of look it up when I was posting my picture just to make sure I had the details right, because I read it a very, very long time ago. Um, I think it came out in the late 60s, I or maybe 70 or so. I read it when I was about 12, I think, which was somewhere, let's see, it would have been about 77, 1977. Yes, I'm okay with how old I am. Um, but anyway, I read it a few years after it had come out, and like I said, I was about 12. I was middle school. And the book is written, it's purported to be an actual diary of a teenage girl. It is questionable whether it's an actual diary or not, or whether it was somebody writing it, you know, fiction as if it were a diary. For me as a 12-year-old, that didn't matter. That difference was splitting hairs. You know, as a 12-year-old, I read it like it was actually the diary of somebody who had gotten into the drug scene. And, um... The way this girl gets into drugs is she's hanging out kind of with an iffy crowd and somebody um, laces her drink at a party and that starts her down this, you know, slope into um, serious drug addiction. Um, And yes, eventually, spoiler alert, she does die of an overdose. Well, I believe the book was probably on the banned book list because if I recall, it was really pretty graphic about her hallucinations and her trips, you know, that she was on because of the drugs. Um, It's hard for me to imagine. It is quite possible that somebody banned it because they thought it was actually sort of glorifying drugs and that kids might decide to go on drugs by reading this book. That would be really hard for me to imagine. But I've heard sillier things. (laughs) I've heard people say, well, for example, there are those who think Hunger Games, because they watched the movie and they didn't read the trilogy, they see Hunger Games or they see a commercial for it, and they think it's teaching kids that it's okay to kill other kids. That's not what Hunger Games is about. And, you know, read the trilogy, because it's exactly the opposite. Can you tell I'm passionate about these issues? Um, so it's easy for me to think somebody picked up Go Ask Alice, thought it was glorifying the drug culture, and banned the book without actually reading the book. Um, but in any case, that book reading that for me as a 12-year-old was, I think, one of the reasons why I never experimented with drugs. Now, I was in a context where it's unlikely I would have ever really done much in terms of drugs anyway, but 
you know, as I said, scenes from that book still stick in my head to this day. I mean, it was really kind of a scared straight sort of book. So there's this one scene, and I should really probably go back and read the book to see if the scene actually is in the book or if it just, if I manufactured it, you know, memories later. But I do have this memory of a scene in the book where she's hallucinating being covered in spiders while she's on a bad trip. And so whenever I think of the book Goes Gallus, a spider appears in my mind. So for my banned book challenge project, I decided I wanted to do something with a spider. But then as I was kind of thinking this, I was like, well, why would I want a quilted project with a spider on it in my house? This is not something, you know, doesn't really fit my decor. <laughs> so that's kind of was my stopper is, all right, well, what do I do having to do with spiders that's true to this challenge and my feeling about that book and yet is something I will actually want to have on my wall. Well, you know how long it took me to realize, well, duh, Halloween's coming. (laughs) And so I finally was like, oh, wait, I could make it a Halloween decoration. And yet it would have a spider on it to, you know, in reference to the book Go Ask Alice. Okay, yeah, so it took me a little while to come around to that understanding that I could do a twofer. Um, So I did make my book challenge project is a spider. And I did it a black spider on an orange background, so it would look like Halloween. That's really what I was trying to do was just find a reason why I would still want the spider in my house when I was done. So um, in order to make the spider, I decided to make a couple of fabric yo-yos. I made a larger one and a smaller one, and then I appliqued them down to the background fabric upside down so that you can't see, you know, the kind of um, gathered interior of the yo-yo. You're just seeing the flat back of it. But I wanted it to just have that little bit of puffy dimension. Um And so one is the head and one is the body. And then I cut out uh, legs. I didn't draw anything out. I just started chopping shapes until I, you know, came up with eight legs that looked like they were about the right size and shape. And I appliqued those down, but I didn't fully appliqued them. What I did was I just stitched one row of stitching right along the center of each piece so that specifically the edges would still stay free and it would give it a little more dimension plus i knew the edges would fray a little bit and make it look fuzzy the way spider legs are fuzzy um i do have to (laughs) have to admit i got a little bit lazy at the end and instead of appliquing those little pinchers spiders have at their mouth um, i just drew them in with a sharpie because i didn't want to deal with a piece that small and frankly i was just trying to get it done at this point um and then i did sketch out a spider web with a thing of chalk just so I'd kind of know more or less where I was going and then I used orophil and visible thread on that to make it look a little more cobwebby and that was pretty much all the quilting I did so it was a very simple should have been a very fast project although I messed up the um, binding and had to rip it all out and do it again um, <laughs> only because this was a sign of how long it had been since I had sat at my sewing machine um, I have a Genomi memory craft 6600 and that's got the AccuFeed foot so instead of having a separate walking foot I put on my machine it's actually built in and you just have a special foot that you attach to your your presser foot thing and I have the quarter inch one a warning for anybody with a Genomi memory craft 6600 if you buy the quarter inch foot and you keep the needle in the center position it's not actually a quarter inch it's a little bit bigger you have to move your needle to the right a little bit And so I had totally forgotten that, even though I have the post-it note on my bulletin board when using the AccuFeed quarter-inch foot, move the (laughs) needle, you know, I just sat down, whiz-bang, went to do it, realized I can't fold the fabric, you know, the the binding over to the back. It won't actually fit. So I had to go through, rip it all out. 
then I, you know and that's when I remembered oh right that foot isn't a true quarter inch had to <laughs> rip everything out move the needle over did it again and it was fine um, so that was just like I said a sign of how very long it had been since I had actually been at my machine um, so you know it's it's not the world's greatest project it's nothing that I will you know want my children to remember me by but it's a cute little Halloween decoration um, I think I finished it ooh, probably somewhere between six to nine inches square somewhere and I didn't measure it and it's sitting downstairs now as part of our Halloween decoration so I can't look at it for reference um, but that was good to get that done now I have immediately moved into my next challenge this is a challenge I'm running for my guild and we're calling it the untouchables challenge and this is a challenge I actually launched sometime last year I think we launched it in June and it's due in December and what it is is those fabrics you've had on your shelf for a long time and you haven't wanted to do anything with yet because you were just afraid to cut into them for some reason I mean either they were so gorgeous you didn't want to ruin them or they were just kind of tricky fabrics and you couldn't quite figure out how to use them and um, people brought them to guild one night again this was back last spring sometime and some of us brought our untouchable fabrics as we called them um, to guild and laid them out and had people give us ideas about what we want you know what they thought we should do with them etc and so that's all been very interesting and, and fun to see how different people suggested we use fabrics me true to form didn't pay any attention <laughs> to what anybody told me they thought I might want to do and um, I originally was going to I, I thought I was going to use the stitch and slash technique which is from the craftsy class I took and I did the flower quilt um, on the wall hanging with the stitch and slatch that's the one where you have four layers of fabric and you keep cutting away cutting away cutting away cutting away so you have layers of fabric showing dimensionally it's a really cool technique again that stitch and slash with craftsy and that's the one that I did the um, interview with Nitty AJ of the quilting pot because um, we had both taken the same class so that's the class and I took that class thinking ahead of time I was going to use it on this project here's the thing the fabric that I chose as my untouchables challenge is a set of McKenna Ryan coordinates they're beautiful they're you know kind of this wonderfully almost underwater sort of look to them blues aquas greens um, various shading techniques very typical you know classic McKenna Ryan stuff the main feature fabric and I don't know if I knew this when I bought it or only realized it later because it's not super obvious it has a scripture verse on printed on the fabric and it's a variation of Hebrews 11.1 1, for those of you who are biblically oriented um, the fabric itself says faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see and then it has the words courage hope love and faith kind of scattered over the print over the fabric in a slightly bigger print more obvious print it's all again it's all very faded so it's easy to miss that the scripture is even on it um, and it, the only reason I say that I'm not even sure I knew if it was on it when I bought it is I tend to avoid buying fabrics with such an obvious text detail on them because it's often very hard to use them um, however that being said if I did know it was on there I was probably thinking well I can put this in the auction at our conference this summer and that's exactly what I'm now thinking is okay I'll make this and then I'll put it in our auction at the conference this summer um, every summer I staff our national women's conference and national gathering for girls their concurrent events same place same time two different conferences but we always have an, an auction fundraiser at the conference to raise funds for our girls ministry 
and it's been years since I've actually been able to put anything in the auction myself. So I'm thinking now this would be a wonderful, um, wonderful project on a number of levels. Not only is it scripturally based, which, you know, the women at our conference will love, but it also happens to be done in sort of teal colors, and teal is the signature color of our girls' ministry, so it really <laughs> worked out really well for that. Um, so anyway, back to what I was deciding to do for this. Like I said, originally I thought I'd use the stitch and slash technique, but when I laid out the scripture fabric, the focus fabric, and looked at it carefully, I realized that really wasn't going to work because in order to cut away enough fabric so that you could see that whole scripture verse, you'd end up with kind of these really big circles. And I was afraid, not only of design-wise, I probably could have worked with it, but um, I was actually afraid it wouldn't hang right because you'd have this big gap of space where there was only one fabric and then the you know the other places would have four fabric stiffnesses. It's kind of hard to describe if you've never held one of these stitch and slash. But it kind of, you know, it's not only a balance of design, it's a balance of physical weight to keep it to hang right. So I was a little afraid of how that would work. So after I looked at it for a while, I realized my best bet was probably to return to my Nine Patch Pizzazz book, which is a book um, published by Judy Cisneros. It's a few years old now. She also did one called Rectangle Pizzazz. Um, I've done a Nine Patch Pizzazz before, and it's a really good technique to use for a large-scale print. What you do, Nine Patch Pizzazz actually kind of puts forth a formula that then you can tweak to meet your design needs as you want. Um, so right now I'm just in the process of cutting the the blocks as her formula lays out, and then once I look at that I may tweak it, you know, decide I need something different. But the basic formula is you cut two or four 12 and a half by 12 and a half squares, two six and a half by 12 in, uh, 12 and a half inch rectangles that can be either vertical or horizontal, and then four six and a half by six and a half inch squares, and then you create a bunch of nine patches. You start out with your focus fabric, and that's what you cut those bigger pieces from. And then you have three coordinating fabrics, and your nine patches are made out of the focus fabric and those three coordinating patches, uh, fabrics. And then you you just lay it out then however you want to lay it out. So it's, like I said, it's a great way to highlight some of these large-scale prints. So I was able to use the 12 and a half inch square was the perfect size to cut out that scripture verse that it fit perfectly into that spacing um, and then the six and a half by twelve and a half inch I think I also cut a scripture verse out of that I don't remember exactly I might have cut it's hanging on my design wall which I can't see from where I'm sitting now um, and I cut it last night two nights ago two nights ago I guess um, I think I might have cut a scripture verse out with that as well and then the six and a half, I was hoping I would be able to cut those words. Remember I said it had courage, hope, love, and faith, and I had to have four six and a half as squares. And I originally thought, oh, it would be so cool if I could have one that said courage, one that said hope. Well, the fabric wasn't laid out quite like that. And of course, cutting, fussy cutting like this, you end up with kind of Swiss cheese, and you have to watch when you're cutting one piece that you're going to still be able to cut the rest of what you need. Um so as I kind of worked my way down and got the bigger pieces cut and then, you know, progressively smaller pieces, I ended up having two of the six and a half inch squares with the same word in it. And then two are just sort of the, the print in the background, you know, it's no words on them at all, 
which is not great, but it's okay. It'll work. Um, and then I've got the fabrics pressed to, to do the nine patch blocks. And that's what I'm going to work on tonight. So hopefully I'll have enough electricity to get me through at least getting some nine patches done. Um, so again, once I get, basically you cut all the pieces out, you make your nine patches, and then you put it all on the design wall, and then you just start playing with it, moving it around to lay it out how you want to lay it out. And I'm specifically not making decisions about borders or anything until I get that centered done. I may not even border it. You know, I may decide it's fine as it is and just put a binding on it. Um, so I'm leaving all of those decisions for later. Um, so, you know, that's that's that. I think it'll be good. The problem is the McKenna Ryan fabric tends to be very low contrast. And the Nine Patch Pizzazz book does talk about you can do either low contrast or high contrast quilts with this technique. It's, you know, either one works. Um, the problem is the last time I did a Nine Patch Pizzazz, it was very low contrast. It was intentionally low contrast. But then when I got it hanging up in the wall, I realized it was actually way too low a contrast. And you couldn't really tell that there were all these fabrics in it because they blended far too well. And I'm a little worried that's what's going to happen again. I've already substituted out one fabric from the McKenna Ryan um, for another fabric I had, which actually also turned out to be McKenna Ryan, but it wasn't from the same collection, but it's the same colorway. So I'm already doing that. And like I said, I'm going to really keep it low contrast because I just think that'll be a very nice, soft, sort of almost spa-like feeling <laughs> sort of quilt. But I'm not going to know for sure until I get everything up on my design wall and start working with it. And then I may decide at that point, you know, I really need to do something else with some of these nine patches or whatever. So anyway, that project should go together relatively quickly. It's a fairly fast technique to use. Um, so I shouldn't have any problem at least having the top done by the December meeting if I don't have it completely done. Um, so that's my Sandy update. I'm so thrilled to actually have a quilty update. I do want to make, um, I do, oh, here's a non-quilty tip that I've picked up that I want to spread the word. I've become a bit of a peppermint oil evangelist lately. So when I was on my last trip and staying in a hotel, um, I have a problem with hotel air conditioning units. I tend to get congested. I tend to get sinus stuff. And if it gets really bad, if it's like an older hotel or just a hotel that doesn't keep its air conditioning units very clean, it can actually trigger vertigo. Um, I have issues with vertigo and my sinuses are the trigger. That's what will happen if I get congested sinuses. It will tend to go into vertigo. And that's not a good thing to have happen when I'm at meetings. I hate it. It's happened now twice in the last two years, I guess, where I've been at meetings and I've ended up having um, not super severe vertigo attacks during a meeting, but enough that I'm feeling nauseous because I make myself carsick is what happens. Not only can I not really move my head or bend over or move, you know, turn quickly without the world spinning, is then I get carsick just because I do. Um, so this time when that happened, I did end up having a day where I couldn't really move my head, couldn't bend over, had to move very slowly and was starting to get kind of nauseous. And I had the thought, which I had never thought of before, I'll take some Dramamine. <laughs> so at least I took some Dramamine, which alleviated the carsick feeling. Um, of course, then it brings on its own little drowsiness and sort of Technicolor world stuff, but it's not too bad. I can usually live with, I use the 12 or the 24 hour non-drowsy Dramamine. So anyway, I was able to do that. But my roommate is big into aromatherapy, which I'm, you know, only partially, yeah, you know, I don't believe it can really change my mood, but I do believe it can clear my sinuses. And she had peppermint oil with her. 
and she put a couple of drops on my hand. I rubbed my hands together and then just put them in front of my nose and mouth, opened my mouth, and I just inhaled. And man, that pops your nose open <laughs> really fast. It gets rid of your congestion super fast. And so, and then you kind of rub it like on your neck. You don't want to get it around your eyes, but you can rub it kind of on your neck. So you're inhaling your own mint. Now, I want to tell you, I know there are folks out there allergic to scents, and I don't know if you were to be directly, you know, have the scent directly on your hand. I don't know what the issue, whether you'd have issues. But I was sitting next to several times during these meetings, a woman who's allergic to scents, and we use unscented candles for her. None of us can wear hairspray. None of us can use perfume. She never said a word and never looked at all congested, never said anything about, boy, I'm having problems. And she is somebody who would say something. Um, never had a problem. So I don't know whether because this is a strictly natural scent, if it doesn't have that um, effect on people. But I just, you know, I'm putting it out there. When I was wearing this, and I'm very careful not to wear scents in public because of that, nobody had any issues with it. So that was, you know, those of you who are allergic to scents, you can let us know if you've had a different experience. So anyway, when I got home, I went ahead and ordered on Amazon. I actually got this very nice little oil um, scent, an oil, what do you call them? Like a diffuser thing a can, that uses a tea candle. And it's actually um, three women sitting, you know, silhouettes of three women sitting in a prayer position with the candle that sits between them and then the glass um, thing sits on their head. It's on Amazon. Um, if you want it, you look for oil burner, women praying or something like that. You'll probably get it. It was like 10 bucks. It really wasn't expensive at all. And she put some water and a little bit, you know, a few drops of this oil into the water um, bowl thing at the top. And then you light the candle and it just diffuses it into the air. I've been using that every day since and I can breathe very easily. <laughs> it's really made a big difference to my general sense of congestion. So that's just my little non-quilty tip. If you are somebody that has issues with congestion because of allergies or whatever, you might want to try the peppermint oil thing. I'm really, really enjoying it. Now, announcement. I want to say, and I'm, I'm doing this without really being able to consult with Tanisha because I've not heard from her yet today. And I know she lives in Maryland and Maryland has gotten hit hard with the hurricane. So I'm a little concerned about the fact that she is out of touch. Normally she's big on Twitter. So hopefully um, she's okay. But because of the storm and because of so many people probably losing power this week, um, I think she'd be with me if I said, let's extend the banned book challenge deadline. It was supposed to be October 31st, which is Wednesday. And then we were going to do our drawings on the first. I think we need to extend it until next Monday. And that'll give people some time to kind of get their lives back into gear. So what would next Monday be? That would be something like November 5th. So I would suggest let's make the deadline November 5th. I will try to be in touch with Tanisha about that. Um, I Like I said, I think she'd be down with that too. So, All right, I have a few listener comments. Um, I've been getting some input. I had posted a question in the Big Tent Quiltcast Super, I'm sorry, in the Big Tent Quilting for the Rest of Us group about perfectionism. And so there's a conversation going on there that will happen in a next, in a new or upcoming episode. So be watching for that. 
Um, I got a very nice email from Jean, and I appreciate that. Jean has uh, used some of the You Know You Are a Quilter When things in her Guild's monthly newsletter, which is great. She did give credit to our podcast and to our conversation. So thank you, Jean. Of course you can do that. And just make sure people have the link to subscribe to the podcast themselves. Um, I got a very belated um, comment on the Boxing Day Sew-In post on my blog. Um And the person did not give their name. It was anonymous, but she says she misses Boxing Day. Her hubby is back at work and it's not celebrated in the U.S. Um, So I hope whoever you are that you do get to celebrate Boxing Day. And I'm, you know, we'll probably do a Boxing Day sewing again this year too. But first one is Black Friday sew-in, which is coming up in just another few weeks. Z Any Mouse posted on the Band Book Challenge giveaway. I'm too late to join in on this, but wanted to comment on the list of banned books. Seriously? I have read so many of those books as of my children, and I'm appalled at how many fantastic books are on both lists. Um, There's two lists. One is banned books, and then the other one is banned classics over the period of years. Um, She says... They, whoever they are, see the need to ban quality literature, but it's okay to watch Jerry Springer, Maury Povich-type shows so we can find out which of the four cousins sired a woman's baby. Ugh. And I certainly agree. Uh, School Quilt commented on the Band Book Challenge giveaway, and she said this is a great challenge. Ordinarily, she'd be on it, but with all this traveling, she's decided to be kind to herself and not try to squeeze it in, uh, which I definitely, I feel you there, School Quilt. Um, Tanisha also has said that she loves the two entries so far and she'll be adding hers very soon, which she has already done. That post was from a while back. She's already added. She has a wonderful entry as well. Both Tanisha and I have, um, what's the word, recused ourselves from the drawing. Neither of us is going to be a winner, but we're both posting, you know, we've both posted our our entries in it anyway because we had so much fun doing it. Lori said, I can't believe what's on that list. Huckleberry Finn, Harry Potter, so ridiculous. Uh, Jenny says, I am so excited for this challenge. I've been working on mine for a week now. Thank you, Sandy and Tanisha, for hosting this challenge. It's really got me thinking about how much I love books and the importance of being able to read and read what you want. Um, Sandy of Quilt Cabana said, that list is very long. I can't believe how many books are on it. That's crazy. And it's true. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, almost feels like any book that's ever been written has been banned by somebody. Um, Landscape Lady, and this was, again, an older entry, says, currently I'm the only one with an entry. And as much as I'd like to win, I'd like to, I'd rather see other quilts. So let's go get quilter peeps. This is the weekend to make your banned books quilts. And then she said, she guesses my book is Chocolate Wars, which it wasn't. You now know what it was. And then Tori um, commented on my last episode, the spoonflower fabric idea is intriguing. My mom is a master of foxhounds. They hunt fox with hounds, not guns, and would probably love a repeating fabric with non-cutesy foxhounds and horses. Fox hunting fabric is not easy to find. And she also loves the idea of stretch clock, but she's not sure she can get it on her work machine. Um, I actually, I had a little bit of a glitch with my stretch clock um, app this past week. It started opening up twice in a row every time. I don't know why, but I got in touch with their tech support, immediately heard back. They were very, very fast, gave me some a fix, which worked. Um, and then they said they're actually going to be updating the site. I think they said maybe this, maybe today, maybe next week. Uh, with some additional stretches. So if you haven't tried Stretch Clock yet, you may want to. That's again, stretchclock.com. All right, that is it for this episode. Wow, it got longer than I thought it would. 
but that's partly because I actually had quilting to talk about. Can you tell I'm excited about that? Um, and so now I'm going to end this so that I can make hay with the sunshine. The um, rain has now started. It's been kind of drizzling all day, but as I've been recording this episode, it is now pouring out there. Still not a lot of wind, but we're not supposed to start getting wind so much until later tonight as it moves up. Um, so I'm expecting that to kick in in a few hours as well. So hopefully, for those of you who are not uh, um, feeling the storm's effects, uh, if you're far enough west that this is not getting to you, I hope you're having a wonderful week. And for those of us who are in the storm's path, I hope we can have a wonderful week as well and that everybody is safe, safe and sound. So until my next episode, you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z, and I hope you will. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Pinterest, uh, Twitter, Goodreads, and um, Thread Bias, Craftsy, Stitch Talk, Google Plus, and a few other places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z at all of those places. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook or join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And you can join the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup from there. And you can also do good all around the world by joining the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team. And you will find links for all of that at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Bye.